From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Two senior NASA officials have been ousted from their position. NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine says Associate Administrators Bill Gerstemeyer and Bill Hill have been reassigned within the agency. Bridenstine says the move is meant to help meet the challenge of landing humans on the moon by 2024, a deadline sent by the Trump administration. But will this shakeup streamline those efforts or cloud the mission with uncertainty? To unpack the news of this week, we're joined by Tim Fernholtz. He's a senior reporter at Quartz and the author of Rocket Billionaires, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and the new space race. Tim, thanks for speaking to us. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Tim, first, let's start about who was reassigned. Um, Give us the rundown. Who are Bill Gerstenmeyer and Bill Hill? Uh, The Bills are very important figures within the U.S. space program. I don't think they're very well known outside of it. Um, But for the last 15 years, Bill Gerstenmeyer has been the NASA official in charge of human exploration operations, which included the space shuttle program uh, until that ended in 2011, the International Space Station uh, programs to build new rockets and spacecraft to go to the moon and Mars, Uh, and the new commercial rocket programs to bring cargo and crew to the International Space Station. So it's a big portfolio and a very influential person managing it. Right. And and in the memo to NASA staff, Administrator Jim Bridenstine said the move to remove the bills uh, was to help meet the goal of landing humans on the moon in 2024. I mean, how were Gerst and Hill standing in the way? Well, that is a big question. Um, So... The context of this is that the moon architecture put forward by NASA, which is the SLS rocket, the Orion space capsule, uh, have been really troubled developments. They're over budget. They're behind schedule. uh, There have been a series of really um, uh, bad, let's say, for lack of a better word, uh, government accountability office reports saying, look, these programs are not going well. So it's very clear that NASA needs to do a better job managing its contractors. But it's not all NASA's fault. Some of it is the fault of Boeing and Lockheed Martin. And if you talk to people at NASA, some of it is the fault of Congress for the way they are funding these programs and insisting on them being run. Um, So obviously, if you want accountability, Gerst is the person who's in charge of those programs. And and that's where, I guess, uh, the administrator is starting. But on the flip side, Gerst has been kind of a familiar face on Capitol Hill, um, kind of lobbying for the agency. Um, And as you just mentioned, and you mentioned in the piece that you wrote, um, NASA nor the White House has won that crucial congressional support for Artemis funding. Does removing Gerst hurt or, or help this cause? That is the big question right now. And people I've spoken to at NASA headquarters, uh, you know, disagree on this. Um, One issue here is kind of the tension between civil servants like Gersten Meyer, uh, who, like I said, has been in his job for 15 years, and political appointees put in by the current presidential administration, uh, Jim Bridenstine, the NASA administrator chief among them. Uh, There's kind of a sense that um, Gersten Meyer recognizes that The U.S. government has been very changeable and nebulous in its direction in space over the last 15 years. If you'll remember, George W. Bush wanted to go to the moon. Barack Obama canceled that moon program in favor of, you know, uh, an asteroid mission and sort of Mars. And then with Trump coming into office, now we're back to the moon. 
And so Gerst has worked to try and keep all of the projects that NASA is doing pretty flexible. Uh, the Lunar Gateway is a good example of this. It is something that is portrayed as being necessary to go to the moon. It's also important to go onto Mars and to do other deep space stuff. Uh, and there was a sense by some among Bridenstine's staff that Gerst was kind of undermining the president's goal of getting straight to the moon by 2024. Uh, and so some of those tensions are in place. And Tim, what else are you hearing um, as you report this story out? I know you've, you've talked to quite a few people both uh, within NASA and um, some lawmakers as well. I mean, what's been the sense of this, uh, of this shakeup? Well, it's it's still baffling, and I, I don't think I really answered your question, which is whether or not Gerst will help get things going faster to Moon 2024, his departure. Um, on Capitol Hill, it doesn't look like it. Uh, so far, we're seeing um, the leading Democrats in the House who oversee uh, NASA, uh, particularly Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson from Texas, uh, said she was baffled by this decision, said that it seemed like a really bad idea to change engineering leadership as we head for the moon. Um, you know, Gerst in his time at NASA has proven very uh, effective at managing the expectation of elected officials, which is a big part of that job. Uh, now, even as there are questions about whether the technological architecture is feasible, members of Congress are going to be talking to someone new working on that program. Now, that again, it could be a good thing if that new person can come in and say, well, here are the five things I'm doing to speed this up and get it on time. But we still haven't heard kind of specifics about what will change when Gerson Meyer is gone. Right. We did hear that NASA is going to be searching for a new head for these uh, particular um, job positions, but uh, it, it really is unclear as to what direction the agency is taking, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, Administrator Bridenstine gave an interview this morning uh, to Lauren Grush at The Verge uh, talking through all of this. Uh, and one thing that struck me was that he said that the architecture uh, NASA has proposed for this mission won't change. Um, so all of these sort of technology projects that are ongoing are still going to keep going. And so my big question that I think is still unanswered is what these new leaders will do to get the contractors like Boeing and Lockheed and also SpaceX on the commercial crew side to move more quickly. Um, you know, one thing I've heard discussed and I haven't been able to confirm is there's, there's a test scheduled for the SLS space launch system rocket uh, called the Green Run Test. Uh, there's been debate in NASA whether that test actually has to happen before the first mission on that rocket, which is expected sometime in 2020. Um, it might be possible that this new personnel change will result in that test being canceled and the rocket, you know, being accelerated forward on that timeline. But we still don't know. Right. Gerst had been a um, an opponent of canceling the Green Run test, right? That's true. Um, and, and there is a sense that maybe Gerstenmeyer was too conservative um, in terms of, uh, you know, scheduling the commercial crew programs launches to go forward or like uh, with the Green Run moving ahead without that test. On the flip side, though, I think it's worth noting that Gerst has been a big defender of the uh, private companies doing commercially bidded competitive contracts with NASA. Uh, that was pretty revolutionary within the space agency and was not always um, popular there. Um, and, you know, he has shown a, a willingness to embrace risk in that sense. Uh, so it's still not clear, again, sort of where he and his team were holding things back versus, you know, problems with manufacturers, problems with policy decisions, all of the things that influence NASA. 
And those commercial partners, you're um, you're talking about things like uh, commercial cargo and commercial crew programs, right? That is right. So the commercial cargo program uh, originally with uh, Orbital Sciences and SpaceX, uh, the first part of the century, and now the commercial crew program with SpaceX and Boeing, who are trying to take astronauts to the ISS um, probably early next year, uh, have both been important, uh, probably are saving NASA money. But commercial crew especially has been delayed as the companies work through safety concerns. And there are definitely people outside the agency who look at SpaceX and say, look, they're launching, you know, 20 rockets last year. They have a good record. Let's launch people with them. Um, same thing with Boeing. But, uh, you know, we still need to see them get through the end of their test program, it seems. And Gersten Meyer's um, named replacement, Ken Bowersox, has come from the both the federal agency and the private sector, right? He's formerly of SpaceX. That's correct. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so Bowersox was a, a veteran of five space shuttle missions. He was a commander on the International Space Station. So, you know, NASA through and through. Uh, but when he left the agency in 2009, he went to work for SpaceX, uh, helping them uh, particularly with the Dragon capsule as they developed it for that cargo program to approach the ISS safely. Um, and so that was that's interesting, I think, because in 2009, SpaceX, you know, still hadn't launched a rocket. They were a very new company. You know, they had not had the success they've had now. And for someone with the experience of Bowersox to go there suggests he's someone who can think outside of the box or is not maybe hidebound by NASA. Uh, but it is interesting to note he is an acting uh, administrator. And NASA has said, like you mentioned, they're launching a national search for Gersten Meyer's replacement. So it's not clear uh, how long he will be there. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the key thing right now is getting money from Congress to kickstart this Moon 2024 project, because pretty much everyone agrees that if we don't get started very, very soon, there's no way to make the deadline. Uh, so Bowersox might be the guy who's convincing lawmakers in the next few months as the uh, appropriation cycle comes to an end in October that, yes, this is a good idea and we have the way to do it. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that role and, and what he says about it. Now, we've been talking a lot about the ousting of Bill Gerstenmeyer, but there is also the other Bill, Bill Hill, um, who under his watch, he the big project was SLS, which has long been criticized for its price tag and its delay. Um, do you think that those criticisms kind of led to this kind of change in leadership for Bill Hill? I think they would have to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I mentioned that GAO report that came out a few weeks ago. And one of the things that really struck people in it was that even though uh, Boeing in particular on SLS uh, was not hitting its milestones in terms of timing, uh, they continue to receive incentive payments from NASA that are intended to reward being on schedule. Um, and so you look at that and you say, well, why are you making these incentive payments? Um, you know, NASA has reasons for that. They wanted to give, you know, Boeing maybe this money to keep the program going. But it's clear that uh, there are a lot of management problems between NASA and Boeing on the SLS contract. Uh, and so holding someone accountable for that, it appears to be Hill and also Gersten Meyer above him. Uh, but what I'm really interested to know is what NASA is going to do differently to manage that contract, uh, how they are going to hold Boeing accountable uh, and still manage to get everything moved forward. Uh, and that's a question we, we don't have the answer to yet, I don't think. Yeah, it seems like NASA is approaching these contracts differently moving forward, um, looking at the you know lunar cargo uh, calls for proposal where NASA is now looking for services rather than hardware. 
Um, do you think SLS is going to be kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back on on how the agency does business with its contractors? You know, it might be. It is really just the, the sheer amount of money that's gone into that project and the fact that really, in, in a sense, it's been worked on since 2005. It really began under the Constellation program. Uh, you know, we've seen, like you mentioned, uh, with the Lunar Cargo Program, with the Lunar Gateway being commercially uh, bidded as well. You know, NASA, I think, is starting to realize that it has a space industry that it can tap into, that can offer competitive bidding and real price reductions. And the other thing is, by cultivating that ecosystem, you know, when Boeing started building the SLS, it was pretty much them as the the company available to do that. You know, maybe Lockheed could have could have gone in there, but you know there wasn't a SpaceX and there wasn't a Blue Origin, uh, you know, and there wasn't really a Northrop Grumman, which has got a launch vehicle business now from Orbital Sciences. So suddenly NASA has you know maybe four or five companies that can buy rockets from in the next few years, uh, and so it's going to have an opportunity maybe to make different choices. Uh, the real hard thing is that so much money has been thrown at SLS that canceling it now seems, uh, you know, maybe the right idea, but would be a huge problem. And we haven't even talked about the political side of this, which is a number of important senators uh, really like the SLS project because it brings a lot of jobs to their districts. Yeah, I don't think SLS is is going anywhere. Do you? No. <laughs> and I mean, there's all this talk about can we use SpaceX Falcon heavies? you know, a bunch of them to do the moon program more cheaply and effectively. And that might be true, but there's a lot of momentum behind SLS right now. Um, there's been, you know, this uncertainty in the leadership change. There's also been mixed messages from the White House about where the focus of exploration should be. Um, are we just walking into a territory that gets more complicated by the day? Yes and no. It's interesting. So the White House is definitely sending mixed messages. You know, Donald Trump tweeted last month that, you know, the NASA shouldn't be talking about the moon. We should be talking about Mars. Um, and, you know, for the last couple of years, there has been this sort of moon to Mars idea, which is very logical that we need to go to the moon to prove out the technology and the experience we need to send people onto Mars. Uh, there's also the idea that if we can get access to water ice on the moon, we can use that to make rocket fuel and oxygen and grow food and do all kinds of things that would enable a long-term mission to Mars. So there's like a logical chain there. But uh, what is being emphasized publicly, who knows? Um, there are rumors that we're going to get a speech from President Trump uh, pegged to the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing that's going to talk about Mars. But I don't think we'll see major changes in what NASA is actually doing. I think they will continue building SLS and Gateway and Orion. I think they'll get a lunar gateway or a lunar lander um, going. I don't think they're going to suddenly crash and change to a full-on straight-to-Mars plan. But predicting policy in this administration is a difficult game. <laughs> Tim, um, I think I already know the answer to this question, but let's put a bow on this conversation. Um, as NASA searches for these um, new positions, uh, what are you going to be uh, particularly focused on as you report the story out? Well, I guess the big question is whether they're going to look outside of the agency or even outside of someone who has long experience at NASA. You know, there are many professionals in the aerospace industry who have been back and forth between NASA, the military, the private sector. And I think people are going to really be reading the tea leaves for the future based on that person's resume. 
Uh, and I'll also be interested to see what they want to say they'll do differently. Do they want to cancel programs? Do they want to change contracts? Do they want to, you know, accelerate different things? Because really what I'm looking for is what is going to be different at NASA without Gersten Meyer? What are the changes going to be? We'll be following the story along with you. Tim Fernholtz, he's a senior reporter at Quartz and the author of Rocket Billionaires, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and the New Space Race. He also has a great new space business newsletter out. Sign up and check out his work at QZ.com. Tim, thanks so much for speaking with us. It has been a delight. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. All next week, we'll be celebrating the anniversary of Apollo 11. So expect a flood of episodes coming your way. They include conversations with Buzz Aldrin's son, Andy, to the efforts to preserve the footprints of astronauts on the moon. That's next week right here on Are We There Yet? The conversation continues online. Follow us on Facebook, search Are We There Yet? Podcast, or send us a tweet. We're at AWTYMars. Or if you have a story idea or guest pitch, send it to me. Are We There Yet? at WMFE.org is the email. The podcast is a production of WMFE. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. More space news online at WMFE.org slash space. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.